the benefit of the pandemic, so many institutions had to lean in and they leveraged their partnerships. And there were these wonderful aha moments where they saw, wow, you know, this can help us. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, who believes there is no better time than now to educate and empower financial brands to gain a fresh perspective around future growth opportunities. That's why today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, brought to you by Nimbus, who offers a complete set of tech, tools, and services, all designed and engineered to empower you and your financial brand to maximize your future growth potential. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 153rd episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, and I'm excited to welcome both Renee Newman and John Jane Clays to the show. Renee is an accomplished financial services executive and board member, and John is the president of Nimbus CUSO. We're going to focus the conversation today around two key elements required for continuous future growth when it comes to collaboration. Number one, collaboration that happens internally, and number two, collaboration that happens externally. In fact, collaboration, as I've started sharing on the podcast, based on conversations I've been having with others, is what I'm predicting is going to be a big theme we're going to see throughout the industry over the next three years. There's a transformation, uh, really a buzz, I feel, as I'm seeing more and more conversations around collaborations take place, perhaps as COVID could have been the great connector, an event, an experience that has brought us all closer together, even though we might have been, quote unquote, apart for a bit of time. And one of the best ways to collaborate with others, whether that be internally or externally, is to go all in on them, all being an acronym here at Digital Growthtopia that stands for the A being ask, the first L being listen, and then the second L being learning, learning really through observation. So asking, listening, and learning. And and with collaboration in mind for today's conversation, welcome to the show, Renee and John. It is good to have you both on today. Glad to be here. Before we get into our conversation around collaboration, I want to kick things off. I always like to kick things off on a positive note here and take a minute or two to collaborate, to converse for a bit about what's been going well for you. What's one thing that you're excited about? What's one thing that you're energized about right now, personally or professionally? It's always your pick. I'll go first. So I, what I'm excited about is my golf game's coming back. There you, you go. Know, I retired my horse. I'm not jumping anymore. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to pick up the sticks again. And to my surprise, not too bad. You know, I broke 90 and I know that's not record breaking stuff, but you know, I'm out playing again and it's good. You're doing way better than I ever have. So <laughs> keep, keep it up. And it's all about progress and not perfection on that front. It's uh, it's a, and I love golf because it's, it really is a, it's a game against yourself and the environment. And it's always something that you can continuously improve on. Renee, what about you? What's, what's, what's good in your world? Well, I just am loving this whole Thanksgiving season, honestly, and gratitude and, you know, being able to reconnect with people and family. So I'm, I'm just really excited about that. And the year's gone by so quickly. 
Uh, so it gets me excited about what's in store for 2022. This year has flown by and it really is amazing when we look back at where we've come from, where we're at, and then looking ahead at where we can go next. I think you, you're, you're hitting on a key theme here, Renee, this idea of reconnecting. And I know, John, you've been on a listening tour reconnecting for Nimbus's QSO. First and foremost, what does that mean? This idea of a listening tour. I like the sound of it. It, it. it rings well, but can you define what a listening tour is for the dear listener listening? Well, I love that we're starting there because actually, yeah, a listening tour is if you can get to the other side of a listening tour and you say, you know what? I see things the way they really are for my customers and for us. That's great. And that's what it's really all about. So, you know, we put together, starting in March, you know, the QSO got started and we thought, hey, one, we need to get out and do awareness, but mostly just listen, like what is going on, you know, for our credit unions. And, and so probably visited 15 cities, met with 50 different leadership teams, listened to their strategies about what they want to do, what's happened for them coming out of COVID, some pretty profound effects, you know, on them and drivers. And I also taught a class on risk management to 200 executives. And that was cool, right? Just to listen to them about, you know, what are the thorny problems you guys are facing and the risks that you're managing? And so it's just kind of taking in all that data just to kind of understand what's happening for everybody. That's a great point. And there's no better time, I think, to do something like this than now, considering what we have all experienced over the last 18 months. Renee, you're, you once again, you this idea of reconnecting. I know listening, collaboration, they do go hand in hand together. And, and listening is, is, is a, an external activity, but it can also be an internal activity, a key part of creating a positive EX or a, a positive employee experience, which is one of the experiences experiences that we teach as part of the overall digital growth experience. I'm curious, Renee, where does the idea of listening and collaboration resonate with a positive employee experience? Well, I think the world has changed as we've been discussing, and it's never going to be the same. And I think we have this wonderful opportunity to lean in and ask questions. And as leaders, a practice that, that I've established and I find super helpful is to ask what is really going well mm. and what isn't going so well from an employee standpoint. I think we discover a lot of things, you know, with the rush to get during COVID and the pandemic to work from anywhere, you know, does that, does that mean it's optimum right now? No. I mean, how many systems, you know, does an employee have to, to click or enter or go through to effectively do their job? So I, I think now is a great time to just build that into your practice, asking those two valuable questions. And it's interesting you talk about this idea of, of what's going well, what could be even better. And, and well is an acronym here at the Digital Growth Institute where we take the first W. That's where have you been winning? What are your wins? The second point is the E. What are you excited about right now? So a little bit of past, a little bit of present. We stay in the present with the first L. What have you been learning? And then finally, we, we get future focus. What are we looking forward to most? And so wins, exciting, learning, and looking all are a part of this idea of the experience that you're talking about here. John, I want to come back to you because you bring up this notion of thorny issues, something that, that you've had some 
some conversations around what what are the issues, I like your word, the thorny issues or how I frame them, the roadblocks, the challenges, what's keeping leadership at these financial brands up at night? What's keeping them awake right now? You know, I, I'm glad you called it thorny because it really is no matter how you approach these problems, it's ouch a little bit, you know, and I think there's three categories that I heard about. One is just the compression on earnings that it's real out there. You know, the competition on every line item on that income statement Mm -hmm. is having some kind of pressure from the big money centers, fintechs, whatever it is. And you can really feel it. And people are talking about it. The second piece is just technology that it needs to be modernized, right? You take a look at your stack of technology and you can point to A, B, C, D, like it needs to be replaced. It's not relevant anymore. And the third piece is, and this is is articulated as well, but it's there. You can see it in the conversation is how do we innovate at speed, right? We got to get there fast enough with this new stuff. If I recognize there's compression and if I recognize that the stack is needs to be modernized, how do we invent something at speed? So I think those are kind of the three things if I listen carefully that are coming out. I'm curious, Renee, and those are really great three points to to think about. How might some of those three areas get compressed even further internally to some of the employee experience that you were talking about just before? Well, there is a lot of pressure and our teams are needing to do more often with less uh, and then dealing with these legacy technology issues. So this is where we we definitely need to lean in and, you know, asking the questions is a starting place, but we really need to communicate. What what are we looking to accomplish? You know, what's our purpose? What's our why? Why are we looking to make a change? And then from, from a corporate standpoint, having the employees part of the process to identify where are those areas that we could magnify and really do really, really, really well? Yes. How can we infuse those memorable moments and create brand moments where we can surprise and delight the consumer or the member? And then, you know, how do we work to prioritize, you know, all of those opportunities? So again, I think it's about having continual, frequent conversation with the employees you know, often they're the ones that are closest to the consumer. And so how do we make sure that their voice is heard? At the same time, they understand that from a corporate perspective with compressed margins and the like, that we can't effectively do everything. Right. So, so helping them understand, gathering the information, then prioritizing and communicating that frequently is, is I think, what, what is really necessary. There are two things that come top of mind for me when you're going through this. One, it's Jim Collins and his book, Good to Great, this idea of the hedgehog focusing on what are the few things that we can be the best at and really doubling down on those areas. And then number two, it was episode 147, Patrick McCarthy. He's the SVP and head of North America Marketing and MarTech at City Nationals Bank. And he shared with me, he went on a an internal listening tour as part of his own digital growth journey, talking to the teams across the organization to learn what's what's keeping them up at night. Very similar to what you're talking about here, John. And I want to come back to your external point of view. On the flip side, we, we, we mentioned thorny issues, those three points that you had downloaded here previously. But there's another side of the coin. What, what are leaders most hopeful about? What are they most excited about 
has, we're going to come back to what we were talking about with Renee, what's been going well, the, the, the second L looking ahead to the future. What is leadership most excited and hopeful about as they look towards the future for growth? You know, I think a couple things. One, I think everyone's made the leap that is fintech a threat or mm. is it an opportunity as a partner? And I think it is, you know what? You could be a tremendous partner. I think the second piece that rides with that is, you know what? Why don't I invest in fintechs? Why don't I enjoy the upside? And if I'm a bank executive or credit union executive, what we can make in our investment portfolios right now is not a whole lot. So to put a portion of that in investment in a fintech and enjoy the ride up, that's really exciting when you kind of think about that. And then specific to credit unions, the idea of the QSO, right? If we can reinvent that, if you know that's our superpower collaboration, what's that new QSO going to look like? And I just came back from the QSO and there was a big buzz about that saying, what do we need now? QSOs were a place where we collaborate. It used to be on shared branching when it was based on locality. But if we're moving to a technical delivery, how are we going to collaborate on that? And, and, and what are those QSOs of the future going to look like? So I think those are some of the cool things that seem to be coming up. One thing that really kind of catches my ears, this idea of the investment portfolio, investing in fintech, and that's really the uh, an opportunity for collaboration around that. I've had multiple conversations with institutions and organizations in the digital growth, banking or digital growth program. Renee, what's your take on that? How, how might there be a way to transform some internal thinking about the future. I know change can be hard, change can be scary, change can be par- painful, especially for internal teams that have a different perspective. Maybe they they lack clarity, they lack awareness about what's going on. They might have a, a high level perspective, but to actually truly commit to make that transformation, what's the best way to educate, to empower and elevate internal teams to help them overcome some of the fears that could hold them back from, from capturing the opportunities that, that John has shared with us? Well, I think people are are discovering that partnering does make a lot of sense. I think before, I'll say before the pandemic, I think there was this idea or notion in the FI space that fintech was evil. You know, they're they're coming to take over and and they're going to ruin everything, you know, banking as we know it. But actually, I think the benefit of the pandemic, so many institutions had to lean in and they leveraged their partnerships. And there were these wonderful aha moments where they saw, wow, you know, this can help us. So I think it's a matter of understanding your systems and what, what you have, what's working, where are there some gaps? You know, when I think about, you know, uh, this genie that has come out of the bottle around helping our consumers with their finances, it's this um, idea or notion of predictive analytics. How can I help you, James Robert, work smarter? How can I become a trusted advisor to you? And so I think it's through the the fintech partnering and opportunities where financial institutions could leverage that. So again, what do you want to be? You know, who do you want to, you know, what's your, what's your purpose? What's your why? What do you want to be known for? How do you then create these brand identical moments? So the consumer, it, it, it actually helps the consumer. So that's where I think, you know, that there's this wonderful opportunity. And again, it's different for every financial institution, Correct. right? It's going to, you know, no two banks are going to have the same philosophy there. So it's not a matter of it already being done somewhere but how are you going to do it? How are you going to make it yours? And you break a, a, a really good point. This idea of collaboration is possibly a result 
of the pandemic because before we did view the world very competitively. And I think this idea of competition creates maybe stems from a mindset of scarcity to where on the flip side of that collaboration, you start to look at the world with from a lens of abundance. There's enough opportunity to go around. John, I want to get your take on this because collaboration is sometimes a tricky word in financial services. It's easy to fall back on that competitive mindset. What recommendations would you make to a leader who's listening right now who's still not 100% sure on collaboration? I get it. How might you be able to help guide them beyond, once again, kind of maybe the fear of the unknown or even the fear of change here to, to guide them to, towards the future? Yeah, maybe it would just make sense to have a, a new take on collaboration, right? What does collaboration mean today? And I'm listening to Renee talk about the partnership with employees and looking at, you know, these thorny issues together rather than kind of a top-down approach. You know, I almost have this vision of a leader and yeah. staff looking out the window at the world that's changing and with COVID so rapidly, right? And being able to say together, what do we see? And that's a big shift in culture. What do we see? And then we'll come up with options and then pick the best one and then go at it, you know? Yes. But we also come to speed by doing that too, rather than, you know, we have a committee and then the committee talks to staff and then staff bubbles it back up. But you can almost just feel the drag and how slow it is rather than I think we learned something with COVID that side by side, we looked at the window and we made calls and we moved quickly to respond to our members. Boy, that's something that we could take forward. So maybe that's the collaboration 2.0 piece. That's a great, great, great observation. Today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth is brought to you by Nimbus, who believes in creating even better financial services for all. Better access, better experiences, better value, all while supporting the entire customer journey. And how do they do this? Offering end-to-end -end niche banking solutions that you can buy or build, providing accountability beyond the technology, and prioritizing impactful, intentional innovation instead of chasing features. Ready to transform what is and create what's next? Learn more at Nimbus.com. Renee, we're going to dive deeper into this because you hit a couple points on purpose before. I, I, I want to stay with this thought, though. Humanocracy is a book that I've read, and it really looks at the transformation of the organization internally. I've been speaking and teaching to this a lot over the last 18 months of like change historically has come from the outside and driven from the top down inwards, where I'm looking at transformation and change must begin internally with the self, then the team, and then the organization for it to truly stick Find purpose is often a great unifying force when it comes to navigating some of this because purpose provides a North Star beyond the present moment, something that's bigger than ourselves, something that we can rally around. What's your take on purpose here? Because you've touched on why a few times, Renee, and I want to dive deeper. How can purpose be a central theme and thesis for collaboration to bring together and unify not only just internal internal teams, but then there's also the external component because we want to make sure first and foremost, we're aligned internally, but then how does that then get articulated to where we're looking at like FinTech partnerships that we're all unified with a, a common, a common cause, a common purpose? Yeah. Well, first of all, John, that was a great visual. Um, you know, I, I think we do need to, to rethink how we as leaders are, are coming to the why, uh, and we can't do it on our, on our own. And so the, the inclusion of the voices around us is really important. And if you don't, you run the risk of 
stalling failure in, in not a good way. Um, I think we do need to be more comfortable failing and I think we need to help our people get there. So that's one component. Um, we need to communicate. You know, I, I can tell you in some of our digital transformation uh, in my past, some of the leaders were fearful of communicating to the teams, which just perpetuated the fear. Yes. And so it actually, it actually hindered um, progress. And I, I would still say there's opportunity to, to make that better. So if we don't help our teams understand the number, number one issue I see is that consumers are no longer banking the way they used to. I think we all can agree on that. Okay. So what does that mean? What does it mean by channel? What does it mean? You know, where do we, where could we make the biggest impact? What are the tweaks that we could make to have the greatest long-term impact positively for the consumer, the member, as well as the organization? And that includes the employee. We need to have them a part of that conversation. Otherwise, we lose that perspective. Um, so, Again, I think it's identify the opportunity, always ensuring that you are, you have your North Star, you have your purpose, and then ensuring that you have the right voices, the right people in the room uh, as you're working through that process. That's a, that's a good, good point. And how, John, how can we take this? Okay. So we, we, we established the purpose internally. We're listening, we're collaborating internally, but then we can use that from an external alignment to then align ourselves with, with partners, collaborators that maybe historically we viewed as competition, but Hey, we're all working towards the same thing together. Why fight about this? Why don't we, that's where one plus one can now start to equal 10. It's an exponential multiplier. What's your take on purpose as also an external We'll call it collaboration glue. You know, I think just give yourself a break. The stuff is really hard. I said thorny, you know. Uh, the other idea is that the world is changing very quickly outside and more slowly the organization changes in response to it. Hmm. So just tell our staff and our team saying, if that's the way it really is, let's just call it that, which means what do we get to do? Constancy of purpose stays, but reframing how we do it is going to change at a different speed. Yes. So because we're changing our tactic does not mean we got it wrong. It means we're being responsive. And kind of to Renee saying, that's maybe that when we say failure, no, 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 we're just reframing. And now where do we need to be? And now where do we need to be? I would love like, to get rid of the word fail. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I think it is. It's it's how do how do we adapt? Okay, if that didn't work, what else can we do? What else can we try? Um, with always looking for again that progress over perfection. Yeah, and like we can stay on failure for a bit because it's something that comes up a lot in the conversations that I have, a lot of the teaching that I do. Failure is historically, it's been frowned upon. I mean, I even think about my own children now, you know, 11, 9, 7, 5. They come home and they're like, ah, got to see. But I'll tell you, with with my oldest, he's in a, a, a very unique program that for the first two months of school in fourth grade, they went through the works of Carol DeWick and growth mindset. And on his own, he is now coming home as a sixth grader. And he's like, ah, I got a six out of 10, but I'm going to do better. And he already is like self-adjusting and self-correcting in his own mind. I get it. We're teaching that at an earlier age now. 
but what can we do to bring growth mindset into an organization to maybe reframe failure to not being a negative view, but failure is it's literally probably the greatest teacher out there. What's your take on that, John? Where's the opportunities here? Well, I love it. It sounds like your son is dropping perfectionism, which has never served anybody very well, and just dealing with the world in real terms the way it is. Hey, I yeah. got six out of 10 right, and I'll get seven out of 10 right. And it's, it's my direction. It's my trajectory where I'm going. But mostly there's a lot of energy because I'm curious and I want to learn, and that's fun. Right. right. Versus I got the right answer. Well, it's like, well, that's not as satisfying. Yeah. I'm, but how do we how do we bring that type of thinking into established cultures? And because I know, for example, like the older that we get, the harder it is to learn new ways and new modalities of thinking, because then it's like you're literally having to go back into the mind because habits are nothing more than repeatable actions, which are nothing more than formed by our thoughts and then our beliefs get all tangled up into that. Maybe Renee, where's your take on this of, of, of making growth mindset part of the growth journey? Well, it has to start from the top, James Roberts. Um, and we as leaders need to share that vulnerability. We need to talk about it frequently and often. Mm. I know with my team, if something didn't work, I would ask them, okay, talk, you know, talk me through the process. And, and I will say 9.9 .9 times out of 10, they made the best decision at the time with the information that they had. So, and then my next question is, did anybody die? Nobody died. <laughs> so, okay, we learned something. Let's move on. But to, to have those types of conversations are powerful. And, and for us to even as leaders, you know, share and talk openly about our mistakes too. And I don't like to call them, right? Learnings. Let's call them learnings. Mm. That's, that's powerful, but it has to start at the top because I will tell you, it is a tough nugget to, to turn because you have so many frequently layers of leaders throughout the organization that are going to miss that somewhere. And they need to hear it over and over and over again. And it has to be consistent across all divisions, you know, top down, bottom up. Um, we really need to be better at having these conversations. Do you mind, and, and I'm asking permission from both of you, do you mind if we get a little bit real in, in this conversation here? Sure. Go there. So two things. One, you, you, you ask a great question, Renee. Is, is anyone dying? I like, I've, I've used those same words before. And then I think words have power. Like what, what do we do at the end of every initiative project? Historically, it's called a post mortem, which I actually have <laughs> transformed that we, we teach, we use a tool called the digital growth maximizer, which reviews what we've done to then maximize that going forward into the future. But you, you talked about vulnerability here, Renee, and I want to get both of your takes and we'll start with you, John. If there's one thing, if you just think back over the last maybe five, 10 years of, of your leadership career, what's one lesson that you have gained that if you could do it differently, you would? What would that be, John? I came too late to real-time feedback, right? It's always in your quarterly review or your monthly review or your post-mortem, right? That it says, is it possible to keep recalibrating what we're doing almost in real time? 
right? Mm. That's de-risking if you've made a misstep or if the world has changed that you can get back and adjust. So I would say it's real-time feedback. Then, then with that comes responsibility as leader is teach people how to do it. And we actually taught something called SBI, specific behavioral impact, and talk about that. So that we're talking to other real conversations all the time, right? Because if we, if we see it and we talk about it, we got a shot at making the adjustment. And that's yes. kind of a, that's a good place to live. You know, you're just in real time adjusting to the way the world really is. Real time, top of mind, continuously leaning in and maybe having some uncomfortable conversations that we need to have, but it's from those uncomfortable. That's where like the greatest growth can come from, correct? Oh, think about it. In any kind of sport that you played, isn't your coach on the sideline? And in some sports, you actually have a microphone in here. Your coach is talking to you. You know, we can lean on those environments where that real-time coaching is happening to get peak mm. performance. It's like, let's bring that into our into our businesses. That's an interesting point, too, because like coaching, I look at coaching as almost kind of like that next level of what I would say is, is either modern day or even like future leadership. Um, there's a great book on that subject called The Coaching Habit, subtitle, Say Less, Ask More, and, and Transform the Way You Lead Forever kind of a paraphrase of the of the subtitle but it's one that yeah. I highly recommend leaders go out and read and they've come back to me and they're like wow this is really giving me a whole new perspective there. Renee, what what about you? Like thinking back over the last 5 to 10 years, greatest lesson that you've learned on this journey of leadership here? Yeah, very similar to John's. So, I know I have now had my Colby index. So, I but this was going back to to Myers-Briggs. So I know that I am an ENFJ. I'm an enthusiastic communicator. I get the mission. I, you know, I'm on my horse. I've, I've got the banner and I'm going full speed ahead. Well, my blinders are that people aren't at the same space. And so I often have had misses there. And I actually specifically ask my same two power questions that I've brought up before um, mm. after town halls, after a meeting with my team. And I ask, what went well? What could I have done differently? And what I hope to do is show them that I'm vulnerable yes. and that I'm exposing myself to that feedback and that it's okay. And the natural inclination is for the human that you're asking that they will ask you the same question. Mm. So it, it, I, I love it because I just want to make this grassroots effort of us being more open to crucial conversations and that it's not scary. So how do we de-risk it? And that's just what I've chosen to do. And it has made a difference for me. You mentioned Colby and for the dear listener, episode 124 provides a deep dive around this type of methodology. And, and, and this now brings us full circle back into the collaboration, because if we're looking at collaboration, it's some stoic ancient wisdom, know thyself. The more that we know thyself individually, then we can collaborate internally with teams and then externally with others. I want to, I want to stay here on collaborating around a purpose bigger bigger than ourselves. Financial stress. It's it's what I'm viewing as the next we'll call it silent epidemic because financial stress takes an impact on physical well-being, relational well-being, mental well-being. And when we look at at collaborating here, what what might be the greatest opportunity to collaborate around reducing taking away, providing guidance beyond financial stress to give people help, to give people hope internally, externally. What's your take here, John? 
You know, I think it's the same thing we do on the listening tour. If I can see the way things really are around me in this context, we're talking about financial wellness and I might not be able to see them, but if a financial institution could say, this is your situation, you have options ahead of you. And these are the outcomes of those choices. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Right. The, the level of effort to do that and that sophistication, if we can do that, even in small ways, those nudges, sometimes people call them, mm-hmm. is so important. I think it's a huge opportunity for us. Yes, yes, it really is. And it's providing that guidance, that that coaching that you were referencing before, Renee. What's the opportunity here that you see to collaborate around solving kind of a, this larger issue? I think many are talking about and but if we can create unification around it, collaborate across organizations internally, externally, what's the big opportunities here for you? Well, uh, for me, it's how do we how do we work smarter, not harder? How do we help no. our customer? Um, how do we position ourselves as that trusted advisor? And is that alerts? You know, would our consumer base, our members appreciate and value that? Is it providing, seeing that they could become overdrawn and automatically providing them a facility? Is it asking them what goals, financial goals that they want to achieve? And then is there some positive reward that we could offer? You know, it's um, financial literacy. I'm I'm an advocate that we need to do more there. Um, So could we offer rewards-based and intuitive learning and opportunities uh, with financial literacy? I just think there's so many different paths that financial institutions can take to enhance the experience, um, but also help the consumer. I mean, we're the, we're the experts on money. Oftentimes our consumers are not. So how do we help them? And if, if it's a no, what, what could we do? How could we work together to get them to a yes? I think it's a great opportunity. I I think to when I hear this, it, it connects back to something that both of y'all were sharing before, this idea of some vulnerability as well. I've, I've seen a couple of institutions, particularly leadership levels, host workshops or roundtables, and they they kind of share some of their financial failures that they've made personally with account holders or with membership so that it becomes a bit more approachable. Like we're all on this journey together. John, it sounded like you wanted to add a thought to that there. I just, we can help our our folks kind of on two levels, the long-term kind of, I would just call it knowledge and hygiene and principles you need to know about financial services. But then we can make those connections to things that are very specific to you personally. And I'll just share with you kind of a capstone experience for me. When I was the CEO of Partners, we were deep into COVID and our field of membership was um, entertainment, hospitality, was really 40% of our customers, our members were unemployed or furloughed. And we were able to actually do a cash flow analysis by household and saying, Hey, you got six more months until you're going to run into some real difficulty, or actually you're really good, you know, for 18 months are imminent right now. You've got a serious problem and reaching out to people with that kind of care saying, I'm trying to anticipate where the bouncing ball is going for you. And I'm, I'm in, we're going to make this work. I mean, that is such powerful experience. Like I said, it was a capstone experience for me, you know, to be able to get 80,000 households back on their feet again. We learned a lot from that experience, a lot, which is just really leaning in and helping to anticipate where things are going and then take action, try stuff. It's taking that data, it's providing some insight analysis around it and really 
taking a proactive stance in the relationship that we have with people to provide them with some guidance before things get bad yeah. versus being reactive and waiting till, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And so I think that that right there is what I'm most hopeful and excited about. And, 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 and John and Ray, this has been a fantastic conversation today. A lot of, you know, great perspective shared around collaboration, both internally and externally here. As we wrap up, I want to get really, really practical for the dear listener. Always send them away with something that they can apply, something that they can do to guide them forward on their own digital growth journey. Because all change begins with a small, simple step. And what would that be? You know, when we're thinking about collaboration internally and externally, John, what's the the practical next best step that they can take going forward? Something small to help them build their courage to commit to move forward with confidence. I think create your own listening tour on your calendar. Mm -hmm. There should be two meetings with people who you do not know. You do not know their discipline. You're not really sure about what's important to them. And just be curious and go talk with people that uh, are in a different lane than you are experiencing something different than you. It would be important, I think. Create your own listening tour. Is that a, a weekly, monthly, quarterly? Like what would be a cadence there? I would have at least two half hour uh, conversations that are going to be, you're going to curate and you're going to put on your calendar. When I was the CEO of Partners, I had one every day, one hour of listening every day internally or externally to the organization. I must listen to understand Beautiful. how things really are. Beautiful. And I think too, and, and I don't know, man, I'm just going to go out on a limb on this one. Maybe there's an opportunity there for a podcast too. Now, because you can almost mm -hmm. turn this into some content to where you're listening and learning and collaborating and creating together. Think, for example, small business, right? Um, imagine if like the CEO of a financial institution started a podcast to just ask really good questions and it becomes a research component. It becomes a learning component. It becomes a marketing content component. And then we're all really kind of like collaborating and growing James, I, I, together I love there. that because it follows another thing. I, I just try to remind myself, it doesn't matter what I know. It's what we know that matters. So that podcast idea, would, that would be a way to broadcast the learning and the understanding. I love it. In the room with Todd Marksberry, I think he's doing some of that already on his podcast. So that'd be a really fascinating thing to see if we can maybe encourage and elevate others to do more at scale because it is a knowledge transfer back and forth. Renee, what about you? Something practical, something small that the dear listener can move forward with confidence here. I like the idea of creating an innovation conversation. Mm. You know, what else could we be doing? So often we're in our lanes or channels and that's what we know, but what else is possible or how could we reimagine it or what one to two to three things could we change to become more efficient with what we do? So it's, it's again, keeping in mind that, you know, what's, what's your North star, what are your priorities and how does that conversation fit into what your, your goals are, your strategic plan would be. But I, I like the idea of looking on the horizon around the corner for what's possible. Listening tour to innovation conversation. I think we might be onto something to put some, <laughs> some guardrails around this. Uh, Let's do I'm, it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so, so many great ideas have come out of these conversations that actually get practically applied. So this is one that I want to keep keep coming back on and maybe we can dialogue around this further. This has been a great conversation collaborating with you two today. For someone who wants to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to reach out and say hello? Renee, what's the best way for them to say hello to you? 
LinkedIn works. LinkedIn. Google her. Google her on, <laughs> on LinkedIn. Google Renee Newman. Connect with Renee. Learn. Learn with Renee. Collaborate with Renee. John, what about you? Nimbus.com. All of our information is there. All of our leadership team. You got it. You got it. Connect with John. Learn from John. Collaborate with John. Thank you both. This has been a lot of fun connecting, collaborating, having some good conversations with you both on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thanks, James Robert. Always good to see you too, John. Renee, good to see you. James Robert, thank you as always. Nice conversation. And as always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Brought to you by Nimbus, who is on a mission to bring the people, process, and technology together to create new routes to growth for financial brands and enable them to deliver outcomes. To learn more about how you can collaborate with Nimbus to maximize your future digital growth potential, visit www.nimbus.com. Until next time, be well and do good.